0: Hi everyone, welcome to Architecture in the Den. Uh, this is a podcast and a YouTube video um, where we talk to guests about architecture and running businesses. Um, so do subscribe, like, share. And um, today I'd like to welcome Sue. Sue Butcher, would you like to okay. introduce yourself?
1: Hello everyone. Um, yeah, my name's Sue Butcher and I used to run architects practices. I trained as an architect in the 80s and 90s and then spent 15 years running practice three different types of practices. Um, and now I have a consultancy that mostly works with construction product manufacturers. But I've um, got a lot of experience in helping practices make more money and be more successful. So I think you've asked, that's why you asked me on. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Well, we like to talk about um, as Pride. Uh, so, Pride Road, the franchise offer. We kind of help support our franchisees growing their business with marketing, business support, SEO, and it's so important. Um, yeah. I know folks hugely underestimate how important marketing is. Um, Absolutely. So these podcasts are there to help and share share some of our knowledge. And uh, find out new things as well.
1: <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, it should be more of it, really.
0: Yes, yes. I mean, I think that there's various studies that are done by the RIBA talking about <clears throat> how much you should spend on marketing. What, what do the RIBA say? How much I should think you spend?
1: Well, when I was working in practice, when they did their benchmarking exercise, I'm not sure, I think they still do it. Um, they used to say that you should spend 15% of your turnover on marketing. And uh, and a lot of people will think about that and go, God, that's that's a lot of my income. Um, but uh, it's not your income, it's your turnover. And, uh, and um, it's in my experience, very few practices, particularly smaller practices, don't tend to spend that much money. Um, and, uh, and of course, you also need to allocate your own time, which means, you know, not spending t- all your time on fee earning uh, as well. And, of course, you can reduce the amount of um, Money you spend if you need to spend money by uh, by spending more time yourself, but you do actually have to do the work um, uh, to because you need to explain to people what it is about you that makes you different. And I think that's something that architects often find quite difficult to do is mm. to differentiate themselves from others in the marketplace. And that's uh, and actually you know I've worked for probably five or six different firms in my career and they were all very different some of them were heavily commercial some of them were very focused on historic buildings or religious buildings Um, some of them had a very particular niche but they still had competitors it was just a different group of competitors so it's always important to think about where you are in that market and how you can make yourself be different and and offer what your audience are looking for really.
0: Hmm, and that's right. I mean, at Pride Road, um, we've really niched down um, and we just do domestic uh, residential work. So that's single storey, two storey extensions. Um, so I say no to a lot of clients so, or potential yeah. clients. So, you know, if last week I had someone wanting uh, to build, well, to, for me to look at a plot and put a little house on it. Mm -hmm. that's a a a no from me and you know a change of use from a shop to a to a flat or something again a no from me Um, at first when you first set out it's quite hard to turn work away yes Um, but what i've realized is that by niching down um you're just really focusing your um your strengths in in one area and you're not having to reinvent the wheel so you know your, your sector inside and out which helps when you're talking to clients
1: absolutely because it 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 means you're those clients are the clients you really understand they're the mm-hmm. ones that like you um, they're the ones that you're you and they are both getting something out of it and then of course that can influence all um my approach to working out who those people to say yes to or no to is is all about working out who those key clients are um, out of the people that you already work with, who who are the people that are making you money? Who are the people that uh, that um, that you shouldn't be working for? And how do you how do you decide that? Um, is very important. And of course. Then you've got. Once you've done the exercise, you can um, you can understand how to talk about yourself wherever you're doing that, whether you're meet when you're meeting someone, um, or in any sort of marketing work you do, whether it's advertising or um, uh, or putting a listing in a directory or posting on social media or blogging. Whatever you're doing, it'll tell you what you should be writing about because you understand your audience.
0: Sorry, I just had a guest appearance in the background. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> I did I did mute, so a bit of a delay on that one. <laughs> um so it takes us back to the, the topic of the conversation, which is about knowing your clients yes um and i think we've got a you've sent me a rather lovely diagram which yes that's sort of stage
1: two before you can use that diagram there's a first stage so three stages altogether. but the, the first stage is who are they so how do you decide you know who are your clients if you like and 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 get a handle on who you're working for now and i recommend that everybody in the audience who knows these people gets together in a room if there's more than one of you or if there's a couple of you or if there are 10 of you doesn't matter um everybody in the room because they all know people and it's also if you've got an associate it's a fantastic bit of cpd for them to learn a bit more about the business so, so you
0: all, all your clients in a room together
1: no get get your the people that you're working with so your your um your staff, if you have any. So if you've got an assistant or if you're in a partnership um, or if you've got other employees, if you've got a receptionist or whoever, Mm -hmm. um, because they'll all get something out of it. And then what you do is you, uh, you know, if you've got a big piece of paper or a whiteboard, and of course you can do this online, you know um using online tools list out all the clients you've worked with over the last two or three years by name often in you know with your type of clients they're going to be individuals but they should they're individuals even if it's a big organization because people buy from people and then against every client you've worked with over the next two last two or three years you write what type of client they are so you know are they an individual are they a homeowner are they a, a small developer or you know do they own a business what projects you've done for them which will remind you who they are and what proportion of your fee income uh, they were responsible for in the last two or three years and that gives you your
0: overall
1: of the company of your overall turnover yeah yeah so because sometimes you'll have a a big client that you do lots of work with regularly and then you have one-offs um and you'll have little jobs and you need to and and the amount of money you make out of those people is an important factor Mm. and when you've got that list then we start using the diagram
0: right okay so um i think i remember doing a list like that is it isn't that like the you find out the pareto law whereas 80% of your work comes from 20% of your clients.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. There are all Mm -hmm. sorts of sort of operations you can do on it. And quite often, you'll find that, you know, over the last two or three years, you've spent an awful lot of time working for somebody, and they've paid you a lot of money, but there are other people. And you needn't forget those, because they may be people that you ought to be building up your work with, you know, given how circumstances are changing, or that you've you know, done a particular sort of work with that you really enjoyed doing, or you were really good at, and you think you can uh, do more of. Um, so the idea is to pick them all, um, and then and then we set some priorities after that by looking at these um, different factors together. Mm-hmm. And the. The idea of, uh, which is, um, it comes from a chap called Bud Cadell. It's called How to Be Happy in Business. And I think it's good because we should all be happy doing the work that we want to do. Um, And uh, it's a three circle Venn diagram. Um, So it's got three circles. You're going to put it up on the screen as well. But essentially, you've got a circle at the top. And that says, inside that circle, it says what we do well. So that's the stuff we do well. Um, and then on the left hand side at the bottom you've got what we want to do and then on the right hand side you've got what we can be paid to do and I would add what we can make profit out of of course and each of your clients fits somewhere in this Venn diagram okay and uh, uh, there won't be very many that don't fit in more in only fit in one circle they'll probably fit in two and hopefully some of them will fit in all three so that if you think about the two circles overlapping so if we overlap think about the clients that we work well with and we want to work with but we can't make money out of them that's the first overlap Um, with those people you have to think about how you could monetize that work can you profit from it what could you do and then you've got the overlap between the people we work well with, and we also get paid well for it, but we don't want to work for them. And there will be people like that, you know, they're time wasters, they make us stress, they're, you know, um, tire kickers, like the Americans say. And if you don't want to work with someone, you have to learn how to say to prospects like that, No, thank you next time in a polite way, like you were Mm. saying about saying no. And then the third overlap is the people we want to work for and we make money out of it, but we don't do that very well. We're not very good at it yet. So with those people, we can focus on learning how to do that sort of work better and then we'll be able to do more of it because it will be more efficient and therefore more profitable and so you've got those three circles overlapping and in the middle is your sweet spot where all the circles intersect and those are the clients that you like working for, that you work for well and they also pay you well and and the people that are in that intersecting circle, those are the people that we want to get more work from now because they fit all three criteria. So just to summarise, then you've got four types of clients, the ones you need to monetize because you don't get enough money out of it, if you want to, the ones you need to say no to, the ones you need to learn how to work with better. And the and then the ones that you didn't want to do more work with because they fit all three three criteria. And those are the target clients. And it, once you've done that diagram, and you've put all your clients in that diagram, if you like, then um, then you can do a SWOT analysis because now you understand your clients, your audience. You can look at the those clients and talk about what are the strengths of their future work. So what are they good at? What are the weaknesses of working for them? What are the opportunities coming up in the future? Really important. And of course, what are the threats to focusing more of your business on them? It's always a good idea to do that. Um, So that's how the diagram works. And then once you've uh, got those ideal clients and they're all people that you know, you can then think about those particular people Um, and create what we call target personas and a persona is a generic description of a type of person it's commonly used in marketing and what we're doing is we're saying every actual client who is our ideal target we want to make an A4 sheet which completely summarizes who they are why we work for them what we give them and so on and um And the way I do this usually is I have a little questionnaire that asks a few questions. So the questions are, well, first of all, you're gonna want to put a catchy title at the top, which might be, you know, John, the small uh, developer or Jane, the housewife, Uh, anonymized, obviously. But if you can use the name of the person you actually work for, that helps you remember who you're talking about. And then you can put a bit of personal information at the top. So what do they do for a living? Where are they located? Is that where you want to look for clients in that area? Do they have, is there someone else they need to report to? So, you know, do they make the financial decision? Is there someone else who needs to be involved? And then any personal details, which will help you remember, you know, are they more concerned about aesthetics and function? Are they sporty? Do they love horse racing? You know, have they got special needs like disability? so that's a personal information and then and then you ask yourself some questions so you, firstly you talk about the challenges so what are the challenges for these people and the um great friend of mine the late richard white used to say if you if you can take someone's pain away then uh, that's much easier to do than to to give them something that they want because it's you know uh, pains are more immediate concern so, so is if this you
0: talking I, about their Pain points.
1: Yes, they're a primary frustration. So, what do they really care about? What's getting on their wick? Um, and uh, and you can be really honest because this is just for you um, about what that really is. Um, so um, so it could be that they they never have enough time to make decisions. Um, they uh, they have a problem with getting planning consent they've spent three years getting planning consent um, or their house is too small or they've got high maintenance costs or or whatever and so you've got their pains and you try and think of two or three if you can Um, and then on a positive side of their challenges what are they trying to achieve so that might be they might want to make or save money they might want to make or save space they might want to impress their mother-in-law you know there are all sorts of reasons why people have projects Uh, and again think of uh, two or three and then you identify what that person that you know who you work for at the moment or you have done recently what their thing was and then of course you can then ask yourself how you take the pain away so that's called how we can help so what do you do that helps them and um and I always ask the question because it's about information what do we know that they don't know and they want to know um because that's what they'll google okay so say that again what do we what do we know
0: yeah. that they don't know yeah.
1: and they want to know? And it might be how to get planning permission or how to fit six children into a three-bedroom house, you know, whatever it is. that something they want to know and you can take that pain away. You can solve that question answer that question for them and that's just the sort of thing that they will google so you can brainstorm ideas about how you helped that person and what it is that you did that took that pain away and you can also ask yourself where would they go for trusted information and that might be how did they find about out about you um and uh, what do they read you know um and all that sort of thing sometimes it'll just be or oh, they googled or i don't know because i never asked them well ask them because it's worth knowing and the other thing it will do is it help understand you understand who advocates for your business are because it might be their estate agent a mm. solicitor it might be a business networking group
0: so what we um, call those key referral partners Yes, yeah, that's right.
1: And of course, you need to think about those advocates because they, they're they the people you need to build very good relationships with because they're repeat business, aren't they? Even though they don't actually pay you themselves, they're the people who give you repeat business. Mm-hmm. And then you've got essentially you've got an A4 sheet of paper, one for each of your key personas, your ideal clients. And you can use that information. Um, in all sorts of ways. You can you can use it to find more of those types of clients. You can ask yourself, how could I get another client like that? Um, you can use it to think about what should I be writing about on my website? What sort of language should I be using for that audience? What sort of images, you know, what images would, would inspire that person or are there images that have people like that in them? Um, what information could you publish that would help that person and move them along the decision uh funnel if you like towards contacting you. Um, and also of course it will help you decide what sort of place should you, you should be advertising, what sort of interviews should be you be doing, what sort of case study should you publish, all that content and opportunity based on your now you've got a good strong understanding of which clients you're focusing on Um, and they can also therefore inform your entire marketing strategy your strategy for lead generation your content strategy and a social media strategy it all comes out of understanding that audience that's a lot of information (laughs) I should write a blog post about it actually (laughs) That's
0: that's cool yeah we've We've I've called those key personas uh, avatars. Yes, make avatars out of them. I mean, mm. for me, um, in our sector, in the residential domestic, there'll just be different de- demographics of homeowner. So yes. whether it's a first time buyer, or um, uh, sort of couple with kids, or empty nesters, mm. um, or dinkies, or or whatever. Uh, yes yes yes. we we've got um we've got those and you know as you say we try and market towards them um so you can write I mean I think you you could also write a client feedback. if you've got some clients that are happy to talk to you you could take these personas uh to them and ask them to and get them to help fill them out for you
1: Absolutely, yeah, and I've I've done that. I've done that with the workplace consultant I worked with once, who um, who was trying to decide how to um, market his business in a mm. sort of unique way, and uh, and it was really interesting because he he hadn't realised that he had three or four different types of people he was going for, um, and he needed to make sure that each one of those people had a journey mm. to coming to contact him. Um, the, the people who didn't know him they were just like that and actually by doing that exercise it can help and, and of course the other thing that it does if you're thinking about you know the crisis that's in, in the position at the moment it makes you think about things like what are those people thinking about right now and what am I wasting my time on because uh, in in six months time or a year's time it, it's likely to be different so it uh, gives you a much more strategic view and I've, I've used it in my own business because I um, when I first set up my consultancy I did a lot of work for individual professional people helping them network online um, and things like that teaching them digital and social media um, but I realized that um, actually I wasn't making enough money out of that particular audience. And there was another audience who, who were interested already, which was product manufacturers and they um, and they could pay better and they had other things to offer. And I really enjoyed a bit of the work that I did. So I pivoted my business and I, most of my work is now for manufacturers. Well, it has been for the um, last five years or so. And it's moved again since. So it's a sort of gradual. You can do this every couple of years and um, or even quicker um, and learn and realise that you've actually changed your views about these things um, and the situation has changed.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at Pride Road, we it's something that we do. Um, and then we... Um... We reflect the uh, our messaging back to those clients, and we've got um, auto responders that takes clients um, on a client journey through our pipeline yes. to help, you know, sort of like push them along the pipeline to to turn them into a clients. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, what what does um, someone needs to hear about a product seventeen times before they think about? that that particular brand in relation to their need that they have uh, that was a figure yes. that i must have heard about 10 20 years ago yes i i think those numbers have gone right up i think you need so you need um clients need to have so much more brand awareness before they choose to buy from you
1: Yes, yeah, they need to be very confident and um, and it's often the case I mean it is the case with us and I, I know having trained in architecture and work with architects that that um, we tend to be a little bit reticent about talking to strangers and that that first step of making actual contact is quite a difficult one so before people do that they check you out you know they Mm. google and they they look you up they talk to their friends they ask them for recommendations and of course the more people know about you all of those touch points um, give them more confidence and then at some point and that's why I love the internet because um, it is it allows people to have that experience and and to do that 24 hours a day, you know, anything that you're publishing, they get to see that anytime they like, it's there all the time, whenever they want to, and then they come to you. So it's pull marketing, they call it rather than push marketing or interruption marketing. They'll come to you because they expect you to be you know, what you are online. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, when I first started teaching people about social media, there are a lot of people, because this was 10 years ago, who would say, I'm a social media consultant. And people would ask them, well, so what sort of social media do you do? And they say, oh, do everything. And and I said, I only work in the construction industry, because that's what I know about. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, in no time at all, um, I was the person who worked in social media in the construction industry and had an architectural background and I was probably the only person in the UK who was doing that and I got a lot of business out of those two things going together you know that a construction specialist with an architectural background she must know what she's talking about and of course everybody has those niches they have that specialism and it's just a question of if once you start talking to your clients you realize what they value then you can start talking about that too
0: mm, what i have found a lot of our clients seem to find us on facebook and it's mm-hmm. not um, people going in facebook groups so it's not people going into groups asking questions you know does anyone know an architect and getting mm. lots of people referring which we do anyway but it's actually people then use facebook to scan back through which architects have been referred within the group mm because mm. so, it's still
1: there isn't it it's uh, it's yes. sticky it's very yeah. sticky
0: very mm. sticky so um so that's cool so what sort of stuff are you doing at the moment
1: well i'm uh, apart from the work with manufacturers and i have um mm. uh, several manufacturer clients i'm also running two projects that are to do with uh, digital construction post grenfell because of mm. the digital element and um, one is for manufacturers so um manufacturers are uh, as you'll probably know, their, their management of data tends to be uh, very analogue and not very linked up, so um, so getting a sample out of manufacturers' websites is a nightmare, and, um, and part of the reason for this is that they're not really digitised in their businesses, And their marketing isn't really digitised. So I'm working with the IET, which is an enormous international engineering trade association, professional association, um, to write a plain language guide for them about digitisation, which is, you know, that's one end of the Mm -hmm. construction cycle. And at the other end, I'm working with the National Housing Federation um, on uh, something called BIM uh, for housing associations mm. which is about taking taking the concept of bim and explaining to housing associations who are asset managers and um, you know they the, they are the golden boys of bim because they're the people who need the information in the end and that's where the value really comes out how to organize their assets in a proper way according to the isos and the uh, and the national bim uh can't remember what it's called <laughs> um, <laughs> The, the the standards with the new new isos and everything and explaining that in their language which again is very different um so and i'm project managing both of those uh projects which is a uh, a yeah, a lot of fun, challenging, but really valuable. Work. Sounds
0: it, sounds it. So um, just coming back to the question, um, know your clients. So um, what is, um, what's your one piece of, I know you've given lots and lots of suggestions tonight. What's your top tip um, about knowing your
1: client? Um well, I think it, talk to your clients and find out what they get out of what you do. So ask them, mm. um, why did you use me? What did you get out of it? Um, what can I do better? Because uh, because they're you know it's not so much a review on Google. It's learning from their experience to help you do better. And don't be afraid to uh, look back at what you've done and what's been successful, because then you can focus on what has.
0: That's brilliant. Well, thanks very much, Sue Butcher, for joining us. And it's my pleasure. Um, um, please, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please uh, like, subscribe, download whatever you do on, on uh, YouTube and Spotify. And uh, please sh- share it as well. So thanks very mu- much and good night.